Good morning. Today is what we uh, call a family Sunday, which simply means we've invited our friends who are kindergarten through fifth grade who are normally over here in small groups and connecting in large groups, uh, large group and small groups to come join us in here. And we kind of create the service and then the message with them in mind and even lean into them a little bit. But this really service, the message is for all of us. But kids have a special note-taking page. Hopefully you got one of these when you came in. If you didn't, they're at the back there and there's some crayons. There's some blanks to fill in. There's something to draw. And there's some questions to answer that I'll draw attention as we go through. And actually, for my, uh, for my friends who are younger today, I'm going to ask for you to help me out with something um, that I'm going to ask in a minute for all of us. And let me just give this message. It's okay to talk in church when I ask this question. I want feedback. But we're going to write some words on here. And one of the first blanks I want you to fill in is this one right up here. Where it says, what words would you use to describe the perfect friend? I want to know from anybody what those words are, and I need some of my younger friends to come up and hold these up once we write them. Gracia, absolutely, you can come on up. I need a word. What words describe a perfect friend? What is it? Kind. K-I-N-D. Hold that up. You're not being a good friend right now, whoever said that. <laughs> I have got all kinds of issues going on right now with Trying to manage my apparatus here. Okay. What was the word? Loyal. I need a volunteer to come hold this. Come on, Stephen. Here, just come right around that way. Right around the stairs and then hold that up. And then uh, I need another volunteer to come hold this. Go ahead and come on up. I need a word. Yeah, you can come up too. And a word. Honest. Honest. A perfect friend would be honest. Patient? My friends have to be very patient. (laughs) Hold that one up so they can see it. Give me another word and another volunteer to help. Come on, Silas. Yeah, you too. Come on. Go ahead and come on up. What is it? Reliable. Reliable. Now, go ahead and come around this way and stand right here. My pen and paper does not have spell check. Reliable. Hold that up. Give me another word. Respectful. R E S P E C T. Well, shout out to Aretha Franklin. Passed away recently. The Queen of Soul. Fun. F U N. Fun. I need someone to come hold it. Yeah, go ahead and come on up. I need another word. What was it? Available. And who wants to come hold this one? Sure, come on. Available. Okay. Another word. Intentional. Intentional. I-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-T-E-N-
loving, perfect. Let's look at this list real quick. When I point to the, I can't really, yeah, thank you. (laughs) You got it. I can't believe you guys can read my handwriting. That's so encouraging. Hey, write that down, encouraging. That's good. Now, on this list, is this the perfect friend? I need a friend to come hold this. Sure, come on. Come on up here. Do these words, is this a perfect friend? Hold it up. Hold up your signs. Are, are we missing anything? Forgiving. I need, I need about three more friends that can come up to hold something. One. Two. Three. Okay. I, oh, this is going to be hard. Ironically, I've got to try and figure out how to spell intelligent. I N T E L. L-I-G-E-N-T. You trailed off there, people. <laughs> Here, hold that up. Intelligent. In- we got encouraging on there already? Okay, I need, wa- I need one more word. What is that? Fruitful? Truthful, truthful. I was like, all right. Truthful. Forgiving? I think we already have forgiving, right? I never wrote it? Please forgive me for not writing forgiving. Here you go. All right, now hold your, hold your words up so everyone can see it. How's our list? Forgot what? Godly. I need someone else that can come hold one. Anybody. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, you're coming? Okay. So now I need two words. <laughs> go, go ahead and come up those stairs right over here. What's the other word? Funny. Not fun. We got that. Funny. Okay. Here, hold that. And why don't you stand right here? Oh, what I just missed. Something good just happened. How's our list now? Let's go through it one more time. Hold your words up. You guys read it out for me. That sounds like an awesome friend, right? Like, like, we're really close. Like, you guys did so much better. The first service was just an okay friend, like an above average friend. This is a perfect friend. This is great. So keep holding it up. Okay, so here's the deal. This is the kind of friend you would want, yes? We would want to find this kind of friend, yes? Here's the, here's the thing. Does this list describe you as a friend? Yes. 
Okay, now you don't have to talk out loud in church because then it'll just get awkward. We don't do confession that way here. That's just down the street. So, okay, so, does this describe you as a friend? Because here's what we do. We want this in a friend, but we want them to go first. Like, we want this in a friend, and I hold, want the whole people to that standard, but I don't hold myself to that. So Jesus has these words for us in Luke 6.31. We call it the golden rule. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Be the kind of friend that you would want to have as your friend. Jesus turns it around on you and says, what is it? How would you want to be treated? Well, then treat people that way. Does that make sense? Okay, look at this list. And friends, here's what I'm asking you to do. I want you to take the paper back to your place. Kind of keep it. Don't like draw on the front of it. You can draw on the back if you want or do whatever. Hold on to it. In about 15 minutes, I'm going to have you come back up and line up again, okay? Everyone know the plan? Okay, break. Go to your seats. And if for some reason you leave, hand that to somebody else so they can come up, okay? Yeah, walk around. Liability. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah, so, so kids, if you're doing the note-taking page, we have a list here where you could write some of those words down. Uh, I was supposed to write them down, and I didn't, so I'm going to have to try to remember some of these. Um, but here, here's the verse, Luke 6.31. Do to others, that's the blank to fill in, as you would have them do to you. And then the, Jesus has this way of getting painfully practical. Because what, what the Bible does so often is it just doesn't kind of throw out just like a general concept. It gets very, very specific. So I want to do that too. What are the ways, and that's the first question on here. Think about this. How can I be a friend to others this week? What are specifically ways you could be truthful? You could be godly. You could be respectful. You could be forgiving. Specifically, how will you do that this week? Like, put it on your to-do list. Because if that's how we want to be treated, we should treat others that way. If that's how life works best, if that's the kind of friend we want, that's the kind of friend we should be. And by the way, it's not just about friends. It's about family members. What, if, what would it look like to be the perfect family member or the perfect teammate or the perfect classmate or the perfect coworker? Like, all those words still apply. Treat others the way you want to be treated. And what's so interesting about Luke chapter 6, when it talks about this, the context that Jesus gives this in, is about loving your enemies. So don't treat people the way they deserve to be treated, or the way you feel like treating them. Treat people the way you would want to be treated. It gets painfully practical. How will you this week, whether they're a friend or an enemy, whether it's a family member or a stranger, whether it's a neighbor or a teammate, or someone in your classroom, or someone in your cubicles. Like, like who is it that you're going to be loving this to? Because that's the second question. Um, who will you be a friend to this week? Because once you figure out how you should do it, what it, how it painfully practically looks like, how you love others, how you're truthful to others, how you treat others the way you want to be treated, then it gets painfully practical because you start saying who. Then you start thinking about, well, there's the person that sits next to me Oh, man, I really like him. He's really fun. Him, not so much. Well, that's the one you should lean into. Treat that person the way you want to be treated because it's easy to treat this person that way. Or it's the person that, maybe it's a customer that comes in. And because they're a customer, you'll give them some respect. But if they weren't, you wouldn't. 
What if he just said, I'm gonna respect them because they're created in the image of God rather than they're a customer and my boss expects me to? What if he just treat, treated people like they mattered to God? Because everybody does. Treat people the way you wanna be treated. Jesus was very, very simple and painfully practical. How can you be a friend this week? And who will you be a friend to this week? This summer at Live Oak, we read through this book, Ephesians, which was a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to a church kind of like this. And he starts off talking about these big concepts of who is God and how great he is, how loving he is, how amazing he is, how powerful he is. And then he says, when you decide to have your identity focused on who Jesus is, you give your life to him and he gives his life to you, you're now a child of God. And he, Paul starts talking about what that looks like. And then he gets painfully practical and says, this is how you live it out in everyday life. And see how similar this sounds to the list we just came up with. In Ephesians 4, verse 25, it says this, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we're all members of one body. Did, was truthful on the list? It was first service. I can't remember. I get, I'm getting it mixed up. Truthful. In your anger, this verse 26, next, very next verse, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Basically, it says, man, if, if you have angry, if you're around people, at some point, you're going to be angry. But what you do with it in that moment really matters. How would you want to be treated by someone who is angry? Don't let anger steer you away from the value of people and how you treat them. Verse 28, anyone who's been stealing must no longer steal. Okay, so like, don't steal from one another. That's Ten Commandment kind of stuff. Like, don't steal from your brother's room or your sister's room or your parents' room, like that kind of thing. But, but there's something bigger here, he says. But must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. There was something about how God thought we would treat each other, that we would have enough stuff that we earn and we deserve, but we would share and give to others. And that sounds like a good friend. Then verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Think about your friends, your family, people at school, people at work, people on your team, people you don't get along with, people you do. For the things that you're saying this week, are you saying, I want to say stuff that benefits and builds people up? Or are you just kind of letting it fly? What you say matters. And what's really interesting in this passage, it's interesting to me. I hope it interests you. Because in the middle of all these verses, and, and this isn't the last verse where he talks about how we treat each other, the Apostle Paul makes this statement that you can't ignore the context of where he's saying it about how we treat each other, how we speak to each other, how we handle our emotions, how we relate to each other. It says this, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve. Grieve means to sadden. Do not sadden or despair the heart of God He says that in the middle of how you speak about people, how you share with people or take from people, how you handle your anger, and how you handle what's true and what's false. Do you know that Paul seems to be saying here that how you treat people with your words, with your thoughts, with your emotions, with your actions, it can grieve the heart of God. It can sadden him. Why do you think that is? 
because you matter to him and you were created to treat people differently and they matter to him. They were created to be treated differently. You'll never lock eyes with someone who does not deeply matter to God. And so, of course, I think it grieves the heart of God when we don't treat each other that embodies the words we just shared up here. Then he goes on, continuing his, his thought. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, and brawling, and slander. Handle, handle emotions and words and all this kind of stuff going on. Finally, he wraps it up by saying, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Like, he gets painfully, painfully practical. Forgiving others. Treating people the way you want to be treated when he's talking about treating your enemies a certain way. If, if the golden rule of treating others the way you want to be treated, if the great commandment of loving God with all you have and loving your neighbor as yourself doesn't get painfully practical, it's impersonal and meaningless. You, you just got a great answer to a trivia question. What's the golden rule? Well, if that ever comes up on Jeopardy, I hope you're a contestant that day because that's as good as it is for you. But if you live it out, it matters. And I think it does the opposite of grieving the heart of God. I think God celebrates that. Be the kind of friend that you would want to have as your friend. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Here's the problem. The perfect friend, they're not going to be that. The perfect friend, you're not going to be that. We're just not. We're imperfect people. That's why Jesus has to talk a lot and Paul has to write a lot about forgiveness because we're going to have a lot to forgive. But as much as it depends on you, with God's help, how could you be a great friend, a great family member, a great teammate, a great classmate, a great boss, a great coworker? The great theologian Tyler Perry had a statement. He's actually not a theologian, but his faith actually does inspire a lot of his creative work in movies and entertainment. And he, he, he has a way of thinking about people in his life and the purpose they serve. And he used the analogy of a tree. And there's a space here for on the note-taking page where you can draw a tree. This is mine that I drew. I'm just kidding. I didn't draw this. But, but draw it kind of like this. Draw it where it's there, but then you've got some branches going out and you've got some roots, and you've got some leaves. Because what Tyler Perry says, he says, in my life, I kind of have this test to think about friends. He says, some friends are leaves. You know, leaves, we're entering fall, where up in the northeast, it's much more dramatic. Down here, it happens almost overnight, and then everything goes from green to brown, and then it's all in your neighbor's yard. But leaves are there for a season, and then they go away. And he said, some of our friends are like that. They're there for a season. They're there for my middle school years. They're there for that, you know, sorority years. They're there for that season we were on the same soccer team. They're there for that season of life. But then the kind of the wind blows through and either circumstances change or something changes, but they're there. And then they're not. Some friends are leaves. They're there for a season and they're gone. And then other friends are like branches. These are the ones that start looking like the list we just had because they're there and they help bear some weight. They're they're there in season and out of season, 
But you can't put all your weight on the limb because eventually they can break off. And in West Texas, a wind comes through and you realize sometimes the leaves aren't the only things that blow off trees. Sometimes a limb does too. And, but limbs are there for longer, more than, more than one season, but they're not there for life. But then you get to the idea of roots. Of the few trees that are in West Texas that we can see, what we don't see is what happens beneath the surface, the roots that give them their life. It's where they get in their nourishment. It's what anchors them in the dirt. It's when the wind blows, why if the roots are deep enough, it stays upright. And they're there in season and out of season. And the tree either survives or thrives based on its roots, not its leaves and not its, not its branches. And you need roots people in your life. You need people that will be there in season and out of season that will embody that list that we just shared that will live out those promises and premises that Paul says about these one another statements of loving one another, speaking truthfully to one another, forgiving one another. Like you need those roots people because there will come some storms in your life where it's just too much for you to bear and the leaves will blow off and the limbs might give way, but you need some people that will be roots for you. And the great thing about roots people is they're behind the scenes, they're underground, they're not visible, they're not obvious. But when you think back on your life, you think, man, they were there and they were there, and they were there, and they were there. Never calling attention to themselves, but giving you what you needed in that season. And if you have people like that in your life, you need to thank them. I encourage you even to write a note and say, you're a root people for me. But give them some context. <laughs> Otherwise, <they'll, laughs> they might become a leaf people. <laughs> That's weird. Thank them and thank God that he's provided somebody because you were created to be connected. And if you don't have that right now, that's not God's best for you. So be looking for who those people could be and try and figure out who can be your root friends. Be thankful for them, invest in them and be, be that person first for others. Because when Jesus gave the great commandment, I think he was daring you to go first. Now, I need my friends with the, with the words that they had. If you guys could come back up and line up. You don't have to do it in the same order, but line up like you were before. I want us to look at this verse again. Go ahead and come on and line up and hold your words up so we can see them. So they can see the word, yeah. Hold the word out so everyone can see it. There you go. There you go. Perfect, perfect. Here you go. There's some space over here if you want. Right over here. This spot was made for you, buddy, right here. Okay. Now, let's look at this word again. Jesus said, do to others as you would have them do to you. Be that kind of friend. So let's look at this list and think about who these people are for you, but, but what we want you to think about is, who am I this, these words for others? Who, who, how am I living this out with others? Who is it that I'm being a friend to? Let's think of the words. Okay, ready? Is that you? 
because I think Jesus would challenge you to be that person. But here's the other thing. And every time I do this list, it almost always works. These words, they describe the perfect friend. We cannot be the perfect friend. But these words describe Jesus, who I think is the perfect friend. Do these words describe him? Well, let's talk about funny for a minute. So Jesus one day is teaching about judging others. And he says, hey, rather than worry about the little speck in someone else's eye, you're walking around with a plank in your eye. And it's a funny concept. And I think it evoked laughter when he was teaching that way. And if you don't think God's funny, he took an introvert like me and made me be a pastor where every Sunday I'm around a crowd of people and I'm like, man, I can, with God's help, I can do this. To be honest, with God's help, I can handle y'all. Like, that's, that's what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, like, absolutely God has a sense of humor. Absolutely he does. Is, God, is Jesus encouraging? We better hope he is. Is he available? Is Jesus honest with you? If he's not, you're not listening. I'm just saying. Is he loyal? Is he loving? Is there any better model for love than Jesus? Is Jesus intentional with you? I think God's intentional with you every single day. And when we're not intentional with him, that's where we start to think he's not intentional with us. Because he is pursuing you every day. Did I do this one? Okay. Is Jesus kind? Is Jesus kind? Yes. Is Jesus godly? <laughs> Better than anybody else. Is God fun? Is Jesus fun? If you want to live a life that's safe, yeah, don't follow Jesus. But it won't be any fun. We think fun is like this short-term experience, but do you know the Bible says that God's given you everything you need for enjoyment of life? Like God wants you to enjoy life. Absolutely, he's fun. In fact, in fact, the very areas where you probably think that Jesus isn't fun, where he says, hey, don't go over here, don't go over here, is precisely because he wants you to have a fun life without the consequences. If you were ice skating, don't ever do that in West Texas on a pond, <laughs> up north, and you saw a part of the ice that said, danger, thin ice, keep away, you wouldn't be mad at the person who put out that sign, you would be grateful because they want you to have fun skating on the rest of the rink. Absolutely, he's fun. He cares about your fun more than you do. Where was that one? Right here? Okay. Truthful. Is he truthful? Respectful. Look how Jesus treated, especially the least of these people. Respectful. Is he reliable? My experience is yes. I hope yours is as well, because that's what he's promised to do. Intelligent. Is he intelligent? Is he forgiving? So what did I hope so? That's what he claims. That's what he says he is, is forgiving. So much so that he says, how I forgive you is how you should forgive others. Hey, let's give our friends a hand. You guys can go have a seat. You guys can go have a seat. So when you look at the list and you realize I'm not the perfect friend, but I see what it looks like, and you recognize, boy, that's Jesus. This is how Jesus talked to his disciples. John 15, it says this. My command, not suggestion, is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, 
to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Jesus said, I'm the perfect friend and what I'm about to do for you, because right after he said this, having dinner and celebrating the Passover, uh, the last supper with his disciples, he's arrested and he's crucified and he literally lays down his life so he could call each and every one of us his friend to offer us forgiveness and grace and mercy and love. He models what it looks like to be the perfect friend. And then here's the thing. When you give your life to him and receive this free gift, when you say, Jesus, I recognize I am not the perfect friend. I am far from perfect. Here's my life. And he takes that from us and he gives us his life. So Jesus lives his life in us and through us. You suddenly have a source for being the perfect friend because Jesus is the perfect friend, not just to you, but in you and through you. It's a hard thing for me to wrap my head around, but when you understand that what Jesus says, all the things of what it looks like to love others well, forgive others well, treat each others well, to do all the things we just said, Jesus says, you're gonna have a much better shot of that rather than just trying hard. Letting me, relying on me, letting me not just model it for you, let me empower you to do this. And when you've given your life to Jesus, he's promised to give his life to you And those are the things that show up. He even said that the fruit of the Spirit is peace and love and joy and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. The kind of list that we would want in a friend. And it's the perfect friend. It's Jesus. And that's what he wants, not just for you. That's what he wants to express through you to the people around you. And somewhere in your life, there's a friend or an enemy or a coworker or a classmate or an ex or someone who's wronged you or someone who hired you, or someone who once, you know, went to school with you. Like, there are these people in your life that are leaves or branches, and some of them are roots. And wherever God has planted you, it's probably because the people around you need exactly what Jesus wants to express in that list through you. You might be the person God's tapped on the shoulder to say, I want you to express forgiveness to them. Because by you doing that, will help them understand that I do too. By you expressing love to that person in your class, which might not be a student, it might be a teacher, or it might be somebody else that works at the school. I want you, for where I've put you as a student, or as a teacher, or as a parent, I want you to express love to this person. Because by you doing that, will help them know that I love them too. See, friendship is more than just having people to hang out with. Friendship is really expressing the very heart of God between each other. And to try and do it on your own, you will not be the perfect friend. But if Jesus is the perfect friend for you, he can do that in you and through you. And so that's why he tells us this command. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And if you find that that's not how you're treating people, consider your relationship with the perfect friend. Maybe something's off. Maybe you've never invited him to be your friend. Maybe you've never given your life to him. Maybe you're not letting him have control of your life. You know, one of those li- things on the list, words on the list was, uh, was trustworthy, I think. Was trustworthy on there? It was first service. One of the reasons we don't let Jesus kind of have control is we don't trust him. 
when we trust Jesus and allow him to be the perfect friend, it's amazing what he does in us and through us in our life. It's one of the reasons at Live Oak that we believe connection is so important. We want to create on-ramps to create opportunities for that connection to happen. And we do that through small groups. And it doesn't always work. Sometimes people will show up for a season and they're leaves, they're gone. Sometimes they're branch people. But there are some people in small groups that I've met that have been roots for me. But you need to be connected. We believe life is better connected. And so we have these mixers coming up, group link mixers. And we have three nights for three different groups potentially to be onboarded. Mixed or married couples a week from tonight on September 9th. Then the next night, Monday night, man night for guys to get connected into small groups. And then the next night, group link for women. And we think life is better connected. So we want to give you every opportunity to do that. And a lot of times whenever I've talked about this, I've thought about it in the terms of I want to try to appeal to you that you were created for community. There's something you need that can be found in that group, and I believe that's 100% true. But I want to flip it, kind of like Jesus, I think, does with the great, uh, I mean, with the golden rule. There are probably people in the group that God will place you in this year that need what you're bringing to the table. Not as a teacher, but as someone who will love and forgive and be patient and trustworthy, funny, fun, reliable, godly. We tend to think of community and friendships and all relationships in terms of what's in it for me. And Jesus says, when you start thinking about what's in it for others, that's when you realize how life can be so good for you because you were created to be connected to others and be others-focused. So I want to challenge you to pray about getting in a small group for what God could do in you and through you, through that experience, but also how God could use you in the life of others. In college students, we have a special on-ramp group link for you next Sunday after church, and uh, that'll be right here. And if you can sign up for all of those, I believe. You sign up for the college one? You don't have to sign up for the college one. For the other ones, we want you to sign up so we know you're coming. You can do that through the Live Oak app or website, signing up for group link. But we want to help you get connected because of what it will do for you, but really... We think everyone brings something to the table that could be impactful for others as well. Let's stand for closing prayer. Next week, we start a brand new series at Live Oak called Seasons. Life works with seasons. There's football season is among us. I won't talk about that anymore. Hockey season will be here soon. Fall season is upon us. There's different seasons that show up in life. Life works with seasons so does our faith, and every season has, a unique, has unique challenges, but also unique opportunities. And sometimes it's encouraging just to be reminded, hey, right now, it's just a season, and seasons change. But every season has a unique opportunity for you to leverage for finding God's purpose in every season of life. When you do that, you can leverage it, and God can use that for his good purposes in this season that will help prepare you for all the rest. So I encourage you to be here for that next week. We get started and invite someone to come with you. Heavenly Father, thanks that you love us. Thanks that you model what it looks like to be the perfect friend. You are loving, you are forgiving, you are patient, you are kind. And then we can see what that looks like at the cross, how you died for us to forgive us. And then you don't just want to challenge us to be better friends. You want to empower us to do that by living your life in us and through through us. And we need your help. We need that with our friends. We need it with our families. We need it at school, at work, on our teams, with our neighbors. We need, we need you to help, help us with that.
And God, I pray you would bring people in our lives that would be the perfect friends. But we recognize there's no one that could be more perfect of a friend than you. And I pray you would use us in the life of others to express to people how much they are loved, valued, forgiven, and how much they matter. Not just to their Heavenly Father, but also to us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for being here. I hope to see you tonight at the picnic and baptism.